So welcome to Sheldon Museum of Art's Look at Lunchtime. Um, give a few moments for more people to join us, but we are really honored today to have TJ McDowell Jr., Assistant Vice Chancellor of Student Affairs at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln for today's program. Throughout his career, Mr. McDowell has worked to make access to education more equitable and has provided strategies and resources for academic success to youth, young adults, and their families. Today, Mr. McDowell will discuss his responses to this photograph by Gordon Parks, Outside Looking In, Mobile, Alabama, 1956, which is currently on view at Sheldon in the exhibition, Barriers and Disparities, Housing in America. There are live captions for this program, should you wish to use those. And I invite you to submit questions and comments using the Q&A feature at the bottom of your Zoom screen. And now, without further ado, I will turn it over. Uh, welcome, Mr. McDowell. Thank you, Erin. And thank you to the Sheldon Museum for inviting me to, to participate today. I'm a lifelong Lincoln resident, and so I know what a treasure the Sheldon is for our community. I've also been really grateful as I've watched the Sheldon work really hard to make sure that there were diverse collections, diverse displays in the museum and the outreach to the community. So I'm really grateful that you're doing this. I think this is a, a really cool way to get people connected to the Sheldon and I'm really honored to be asked. And I wanna be clear before we get started is that I'm not an art critic. So I'm not gonna be critiquing the camera angles or the lighting or the technical aspects of, of this particular photograph, I'm going to really be sharing my reactions, my responses, my reflections on the piece and what it represents to me. And so that's my plan. And I'm going to do three things. One, I'm going to start with a little background on Gordon Parks, because uh, he's a really interesting guy and made some really amazing contributions to society. A little more background on the photo, and then, and then I'll go into my reflections on the piece and why why I chose this piece for my, my look at lunch. So Gordon Parks was born in Fort Scott, Kansas in 1912. He died in 2006, so he lived a long and fruitful life. Gordon Parks is probably best known as a photographer and his, he was the first African-American staff photographer at Life Magazine. Parks through his work challenged stereotypes and brought attention to inequities and social injustice through his work. He was also, also an author and composer and filmmaker. He was the first African-American to write and direct the Hollywood feature film, The Learning Tree in 1969. And he also directed what I consider a classic movie, Shaft, in 1971. So then a little background on the photo. So the photo was part of what is now referred to as the segregation story, which was shot on, while on assignment for Life magazine. While the photos were taken in 1956, this particular photo uh, was not discovered and printed until 20, 2012. So that's an interesting little background on the photo. So I, I wanna share my reflections now on the piece and, and why I picked it. And I'm gonna start by telling you a conversation that I had with my dad about why black people do not swim. And I promise you, I'm gonna link it in. I promise you I'll connect it. But it, so, I had this conversation with my dad and I'll, I'll get there, but at a very early age, I had this idea that black folks did not swim. 
uh, in my mind, it wasn't just that we did not swim. In my mind, it was that we could not swim. It's not that something was wrong, we couldn't swim. I did not know any black folks on swim teams growing up. Um, and then in 2008, my father and I, who's black, were watching the, ninth, the 2008 Olympics and there was the relay where Cullen Jones was a member he, and he was a black swimmer. And it was a really exciting relay where the United States came back to end and just won at the very, at the very end. So I'm sitting with my father watching this and I, I need to tell you that my father is, is petrified of water. He doesn't like lakes, pools, oceans. He doesn't believe in water sports. He thinks anybody who does them is crazy. And so I asked him after watching this, this relay, I said, I said, uh, Pops, why don't black people swim? And my dad is 89 years old. Uh, he's from rural Mississippi, a little town called Centerville. Uh, so he, he grew up in, in rural Mississippi during a time when it was legal segregation. Black folks went to separate schools, drank from separate drinking fountains, um, didn't have access to many public facilities, had to, uh, if a black person was walking on the sidewalk and a white person came, had to get off the sidewalk and go to the other side and, and you know, the, the lynchings and all that stuff. So he, he's, he's relating this to me. And what he said about why black people didn't swim made perfectly great sense. And I'm embarrassed that I didn't think of it before, but he, he said, growing up in Mississippi, black folks didn't have access to the public swimming pools. So if they were gonna learn how to swim, they had to learn in the river or the lake and that was dangerous. And so it wasn't that, that black folks couldn't swim. Like I literally thought physiolog it was a physiological thing. I used to think we were too dense. Um, it was more about access or lack of access is that to swimming pools, which is the reason why they didn't do it. So before that conversation with my father, I had always had in my mind that I wanted to do a triathlon. I used to always watch on Saturdays in the fall, the Ironman World Championships from Kona. I used to get all inspired and excited, but then I'd go, guess I'll never do that because I can't swim because black people don't swim. So after that conversation, I decided I was gonna teach myself how to swim. I watched YouTube videos. I went to the downtown Y, which I'm very disappointed is now closed. And, and taught myself how to do the, the crawl stroke and to, and to swim. And uh, after that, I completed uh, three half Ironman distance triathlons. My father still thinks I'm crazy for swimming in lakes. And every time I would do a triathlon, I'd hear my father's voice in my head saying, boy, you ain't got no sense. And, and I'm also proud of the report, I don't wanna brag, but I was also a very successful triathlete in the male, black male, 40 and over category, because I was usually the only black male in the 40 and over category. <laughs> Um, but when I, so I tell you that story because when I first saw the photo, and as you see it on the screen of the black children outside the fence, looking into what looks like an amusement park, I thought of what my dad said about pools. And I, when I first saw this photo, I imagined my dad being one of those children sitting outside that fence, looking at the pool that he couldn't go into. And you can't see the children's face but you can see their body language and, and as they look with anticipation, you can't see the people in there. Um, so I imagined my father outside looking at the pools. And I, I thought about this photo, uh, Gordon's photo that, that was from a time and an era when black folks were on the outside looking in at a lot of things, amusement parks, pools, on the outside looking in movie theaters and social clubs, neighborhoods, public schools, colleges and universities, certain jobs. And Gordon Parks's photograph is a powerful reminder that we are not too far removed from that segregation as a law of the land. So the other thing that it did for me is, is 
I was born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska. I was born in 1972. So I grew up in the 70s and the 80s as a black, as a black child. And although not prohibited from going into certain spaces and places, I didn't always feel welcome. So I, I had that feeling at some times of being on the outside looking at myself. And uh, I, st I still have it. And I think part of it is a scar from my childhood where I had, and I, I don't have time to go into all the experiences that caused me to feel that way, but the scar I have from childhood where as a grown man who's been relatively successful in Lincoln, Nebraska, there's still a lot of places where I don't feel comfortable, where I don't, I feel like I'm, I'm even if I'm at the table, I feel like I'm still on the outside looking in. And then I begin to think about who in our society today, who is currently on the outside looking in of various spaces and places in our society. And I think that's a question we need to ponder. So as a result of that, I've, I've developed this goal that I have with, with every community I'm in, wherever I'm at, I wanna create a space where everybody can be their fully authentic self, where everybody can share their, their selves and their identities and have those identities acknowledged and celebrated and valued in a community where no one's on the outside looking in. But Gordon Parks' photo reminded me of, of my own feelings of being on the outside looking in. And that's why I chose it. So now Aaron, I believe it takes a few questions. We have a few, few questions. Yes, we do. We do have, have time for questions. Um, Ms. Ms. Charlie Foster, also from the University of Nebraska, just submitted a question. Who is still feeling as they are on the outside looking in? I think, I think there's any number of groups who, who may still uh, feel that way. DACA students, you know, I work at the University of Nebraska where we still have some students who aren't eligible for financial aid. I think immigrants, transgender people, um, I mean, there's any number of, of folks who I think would feel like they're on the outside uh, looking in. Yes, and 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 uh, <laughs> Ms. Foster, thank you for clarifying that really question and agreement. And yes, thank you. Yes, thank you, Charlie. Thank you for tuning in too. We have um, Marilyn Wolf has her hand raised, so let me let me unmute this here. Marilyn, I think you, you are able to unmute yourself. Just did, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, so um, I've been a fan of uh, Gordon Parks for a long, fascinated with him. Um, and um, I have his book sitting right here. And I, I, I just find, I became aware of this aspect of his work more recently, I, I moved here from Atlanta and they have an exhibit on some of this stuff, for example. Um, and, and the tone is very different from what, you know, like his, his, his life photography and it's very different from Shaft, right? <laughs> so can you talk about his, you know, it, it was his state of mind in, in this period of his work different than, than in, in other parts of his career? Uh, that's a great question, and I'll, I'll disclose right off the bat, I'm, I'm not really a Gordon Parks expert and don't know that I can speak to his, his state of mind, but I do know that a lot of his work was 
challenging stereotypes in particular about black people and 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 highlighting the injustices that that black folks and that we experience uh, in society in the United States in particular and he captured people that you know were sometimes controversial Malcolm X and Cassius Clay who became Muhammad Ali and I think he was he was trying to help uh, society see the beauty and the strength in black folks but then also see the injustices that were were still plaguing our society then and that we're still dealing with to some degree today. Thank you. Um, we have a, a question from JD Miller. What are some concrete steps we can take to be more inclusive and welcoming to everyone? Uh, thank you for the question, JD. Hope you're doing well. Um, I, I think one of the things that I that I, my training teaches me is that one of the things that we have to do is we need to do this internal examination of our own prejudices and biases that keep that are barriers for us having relationships with other people. So I, I think oftentimes for many of us, it's easy to go right to the external and point to the, 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 the atrocities we see happening in society externally. But I think the works, if we're gonna really make changes on this issue is we each have to start with our own assessment of our prejudice, prejudices and, and stereotypes, confront those and then, and then find ways wherever we're at that we can call out injustice, that we can bring awareness to those issues and that we can um, really em embrace people who are different so that we get to that point where people feel like they can be their fully authentic self and that our interactions are supportive and affirming and validating to people. I'll ask a, another question from Dr. Nkenje Friday. Um, thank you for your recollection on this, TJ. As she writes, as I look at this photo and being a proud native Mississippian, I am reminded of how often we think of these photos as in the past, but, it, but the reality is that we are still combating issues of segregation. How can we utilize photos such as these for ongoing learning towards issues of today? Hmm. Thank you, Dr. Friday for that, that question. And thank you for being on as well. Um, you know, I think Examples like this, this conversation we're having right now, uh, this virtual conversation where the Sheldon is, is using art to help be a catalyst for these conversations. Um, so I think that is, that's an important part. And, you know, and you're right, we're still dealing with this. We're, I mean, we're still people living who experience segregation. And so I think um, we got to continue to bring awareness to these issues and, that, and, and call out what, the, what, what are the new forms of segregation? What are the, it's, what are the new ways we're oppressing people? What are the new ways we're making people feel like they're on the outside looking in and to have those conversations and then to confront those issues? Go for it. Another question from Andrea Wenke and apologies if I, if I mispronounced the last name. Um, thank you, Mr. McDowell. Your story and insight into this print is wonderful. Has your father, did your father see this picture um, and what did he think? No, I, I, haven't, I haven't showed it to my to my dad i'm going to um i'm gonna i'm gonna show it to him he's he's been sometimes having these conversations with my father's heart because i think it was so painful some of the stuff he experienced growing up um and so i'm gonna show it to him though and have a conversation i would have invited him but uh, he doesn't believe in the internet he thinks that's the way people get your bank account information and steal all your money so otherwise i'd have him stream this but I'll show him and tell him about my talk later. Okay. 
Um, I have another question from Stephanie Mitchell. The tiny red flower in the right-hand margin of the, of the photograph could symbolize what would bloom in the years to follow. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his mission of equality and inclusiveness, for example. As of 2021, have we done the hope in that 1956 flower justice? That's a great, great question, Stephanie. Um, I, I think it'd be disingenuous to say we have not made progress, um, that we have not uh, progressed in, in some aspects, but we still have all kinds of examples of inequities that continue to persist in terms of, I mean, I work on a college campus in terms of college access and college success when students are on campus. Uh, I think when we look at society, there's all kinds of examples where we still have work to do. We've made progress, but there's still work to do. And, and we all need to be engaged in this work. This isn't work other people do. This is work we have to do. Um, I don't know if we've done it fully justice though, Stephanie. We have more work to do. It's, it's nice. I, I can't see anybody's faces, but I know the names of many of the question, people asking questions. So thank you to everybody who's on and listening. I think um, I want to be mindful of everyone's time. There's one more question that uh, I will read. Um, in addition to the, the multiple thanks that attendees have been entering into the chat, um, as well as into the Q&A, um, but from Vanessa Saunders, thank you for this experience. When I observe this photograph, I am also reminded of the perception of the opposite, inside looking out. How do those who view these outside looking in, taking action, even within our own communities. Um, I don't know, I think, right, thinking about both the outside looking in, but then maybe also the inside looking out and and I think maybe building on what you've been talking about um, in terms of actions that um, we should be taking to ensure a more inclusive society. Yeah, I, I think I think the point is is that we all have to do this work. That this is work that we all should be commissioned to do. And when we when we don't do it, we we know that those consequences are are significant and, and drastic. And so we all have to be engaged in this work. This the change and the and sustaining the hope that Stephanie referred to doesn't happen because some people do the work. We all have to be involved in in, the, in doing this work and making these changes. And I think with that, I want to really thank you, um, TJ McDowell Jr. for taking the time to speak with us, um, to speak with everyone who is in attendance, um, be so generous in your sharing your story, your experiences, your reflections, responses to this photograph, and for um, answering the, the really wonderful questions. Thank you so much. I wish you all well. Take care. Thank you, everyone.